Why is that foolish? To never have a flu shot? Are you? A- I mean, you just brought it up, and I was like thinking, and I'm like, oh yeah, I've never had a flu shot in my life for religious reasons. No, I just was like, I just got the flu a bunch when I was a kid, and then they started giving flu shots, and I was kind of like, yeah, you know. I mean, also remember, like the prime of my years was without any kind of access to medical care. Oh. You know? Yeah. No, I didn't start getting flu shots until like. I don't know. I guess I became a respectable parent, so it's not like... (laughs) What would you say, like, the percentage of uh, parents who give, like, do the whole whole crew doing flu shots is, like, very high? Well, even in our house, we can't all get them. We don't all have them. Okay. Like... So so I'm not not being that bad. I'm pretty sure my wife didn't get one yet. She meant she was meant to, but she just didn't get around to it. Yeah, I mean, what is it? It's it's the middle of February. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like sixty degrees outside. <laughs> I know. It's not a. I'm more. Not, I'm more. I'm more worried about allergies than the flu. <laughs> oh, right now with this with God. global warming, I I don't know if I got to worry that much anymore. <laughs> it's. Uh, I need I a hay fever shot or something. I in can't the enjoy of this weather without a guilty conscience, man, because. I just feel like it's going to screw up all the birds and the trees are going to start blossoming. Like, it's not yeah. good, dude. No, no, it's weird. It's weird. I mean, I like that, you know, this is where I don't claim to be any sort of scientific expert at all. <laughs> but my anecdotal experience from living nowhere else but New Jersey my entire life is the only time it hasn't had a major snow in my entire oh, life yeah. is this year and what was it two winters ago so you know like this is i don't want to debate anyone i'm not a politician but it just seems sort of obvious Dude, like, not even is, i mean not even major snow we we got i think one dusting that i can even that i can a remember dusting that's it yeah it was a dusting yeah i don't know but good. uh how you doing man I'm good. I'm busy. I'm really busy with this gig right now. Doing but, your pods, other pods. You doing fucking other pods. <laughs> you fucking yeah. cheater. I know. This is going off track. Audience, give I'm Brad sorry. hell. I'm sorry. He's been cheating. He's I, been cheating I, I on us. But I, I haven't been doing any shows with anybody else. So no, I know it's okay, Brad. You know, you know what makes the world go round? Money, dollars, cheddar, my friend. <laughs> I know you need it. I know you need it. It is what it is. But I also can take partial responsibility. I've had complete and utter studio brain yeah, for like the last six weeks and just like two months almost at this point and just couldn't really wrap my head around anything else extremely useful at those times. So I'm just kind of starting to come out of the haze. I can speak for all the fans to say that you are forgiven for not doing a (laughs) podcast this being the first podcast of 2023 because you were making yeah. a fucking full-length album. A rock and roll album. Your fans your fans fully will would rather have an album than however many pods we would have done. Yeah. And it's just starting to get to that point where you can kind of step outside of it, you know, and start seeing it as a completed product and and you know, everything like put together and you know, which goes in its many stages of Oh, this is great. And what the fuck did I just do? Is it bad? You know, um, it's hard not to, to ride those waves. But uh no, I'm feeling really good about it. Just took a lot. Um, you know, there was like a different kind of day-to-day discipline 
in what we were doing. Uh, that kind of took like a whole relearning of of how I'm, you know, approaching it in the studio and approaching my own day and how to work at it and how to do it correctly. And, um, you know, I, I'm not trying to sit back and be, you know, John Henry fighting against the, you know, automation and <laughs> trying to, you know, grow with this world and allow songs to be what they are. But I'd say at the end of it, we accomplished the goal, which was to make a record that sounded like Gaslight Anthem, but does not sound like any other Gaslight Anthem record. Nice. I think that was the the goal going in. And at the very least, I think we uh, accomplished that. If it's good or not, who knows? I'll leave it to the court of public opinion. <laughs> you, know? um, you told me that you you guys did it this time, like each song start to finish. Yeah, well, not like finish, finish, but yeah, Did, like um, we were essentially taking like two days, uh, two to three days, like per song, right? You know, and you know, figuring out exactly what we wanted to do. We were doing like some nighttime practices there, really like hammering out what we wanted to do the next day, and then you know, depending on the song, most of them started with drums, some didn't. Uh, you know, we'd get like some scratch down and we'd start building it piece by piece. And after two days have, you know, some version of an unmixed down completed song, you know. And like then, with with um, all the vocals and everything too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a cool, um, that's an interesting way to, I've never worked like that, but. It was, it was, I thought it was really beneficial in a lot of ways. Um, the only thing that was hard to get your head around is like what is happening as an album here? You know, yeah. and until you started hearing things like, you know, uh, put together and seamless, you know, into each other, that was a little tough to gauge. But I think we have made enough records, you know, independently and together that we knew to, um, you know, what's too much of what and what's too little of what and what we needed at the certain times. I th still think even not hearing it like that, we had a pretty good sense of it. So. Yeah, feeling good, man. Sweet. And glad to get into the podcasting again. I feel good. <laughs> I was treating myself like shit in the studio. I was for a few weeks there on just a perpetual hippie speedball, just stoned and caffeinated all day long, every day, and kind of hit a wall. I, I thought I had something in my throat. Uh -oh. uh, I fucked up my body. I had to go see doctors. I, I drove myself crazy. Uh -oh. It turns out I... I think I have something called silent reflux. Um, so your boy over here is booze-free, weed-free, one coffee a day, chocolate-free, barely having any dairy. No I'm chocolate, like, huh? Dude, I'm like the Buddha right now. You know, I've said it before on this podcast. When, when you hit 40 in music, <laughs> I think you have to choose Lemmy or Sting. <laughs> and... You know, I was towing the line. I was towing the line, baby. I was trying to do both. You know, I was trying to be Lemmy by day, you know, fucking staying on the weekend, taking sound bath classes and shit. Doesn't work. Uh, you know, you gotta, uh, you gotta commit. So your boy over here is like, I'm committed to being full on sting wow. for 2023. Yeah. Okay. So if anyone's got any, you know, I do love sexually explicit commentary on her. <laughs> on our site. So if anyone's got any uh, tidbits into tantric sex oh, and things God. like that, I'll take it, you know, why not? 
Now I see why Sting did that because he had to fucking entertain himself. This is boring. <laughs> oh my god. Ooh, the nighttime sucks. But <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But I gotta be honest. I'm enjoying a level of clarity I haven't had in a while and need. And you know, yeah. it's it's pleasant. It's, it's pleasant. like anything. You know, you can always come back and enjoy it twice as much from from That's the right. abstinence. That's right. You know. Yeah, and it's uh. You know, all you can do as you age, right, is just continue to try to be the best version of yourself. And as you get older and your brain and your body gets older, you know, the things that worked when you were a a certain age just may not work now. And you got to figure out new ways to be that best version, right? So I'm on on a, a collision course with with something right now, but um, yeah, it's good, man. And I'm glad to get back into the pods. We had... Old Ben Walsh from yeah. Tiger's Jaw, another Ben. Great band. You know, we, I'd always listened to Tiger's Jaw. I've, I'd had a couple of their records and always enjoyed the group. And then uh, last Gaslight Tour, we went out with them. And, you know, beyond being very pleasant people, started to really kind of fall in love with some of the songs. And I don't know if you remember this from touring with bands. Like, I always fall in love with the record that the band I'm touring with is pushing. Oh yeah. Because you know, those are the songs you're hearing every night and starting to, you know, garner a real relationship with. So I do have a special relationship with that last Tiger's Jaw record and really enjoy it. Um, Teddy was a great addition, great drummer. Uh, And I'd like to apologize in advance to Bree because we did organize this or try to organize this as a, you know, two person interview. Um, and we were going to do it in person and all that. And then Skynet took over and time took over and, you know, so, but at least we got a little love for Brie in here. Um, a Brie appreciation, appreciation segment. A Brie appreciation, a Brie Brie appreciation. (laughs) And honestly, I mean, her name's Brianna, but it's, is there another cheese that you can call people? (laughs) You know, I've never heard of a, a Swiss Johnson or a, Cheddar Jones. Ooh. Oh man, that's a good baseball name. Parma. I met somebody named Parma. Does oh. that count? That's close. It's close. It's a style. It's a style. It's covered in cheese. And like mozzarella Smith. <laughs> yeah. So Bree's like the only one you can get away with. Okay. You know? Um Gouda. Gouda were you should have named one of your kids. It's though. not a good name. <laughs> no, that's not good. It's not good. That's a name for like uh like a pet, like a pig. But Ben, uh, you know, when we finished, of course, you know, being where he's from, he's into the Philly teams. And we had to discuss this Eagles Chiefs Super Bowl, which is a a big deal. I wound up at an Eagles party. Oh, that's not in it, it, dude. Went. That was after we stopped. Recording. No, I know it was out. It was out. But like, <laughs> um, you know, we were discussing, you know, as a football fan, I liked watching the, you know, as a, Giants fan, I enjoyed watching the Eagles lose, of course. And I didn't want to see everybody celebrate for a year and, (laughs) you know, slide up poles and do whatever they're going to do. But as a football fan, I prefer a cleaner ending. You know, I prefer a a clear winner and loser. I don't like that these Philly fans have a talking point in perpetuity where they're going to be grumpy about. So I would have preferred a cleaner ending there with no no penalty. as you pointed out, like just as the winner, it's not quite as 
even if you're like, you know what, we were going to win this fucking game because we fucking rock. Like, yeah, you're still in the back of your mind. There's that one little thing of like, oh, it's a little bit of a dirty win. Like, exactly. And I mean, it's always bullshit because nobody goes ahead and looks at like the other 13 penalties through the game, you know, right. that could have went one way or the other right. and totally changed the course. So when you put it on the larger scale, it is bullshit. But I would have liked to see a cleaner one anyway. But right after we got off, Ben sent me some videos of the last Eagles celebration and these yeah. maniacs on, on top of poles. And I know, you know, just I've slamming that. I'm like, Oh guys, I'm like, please I'm like, don't die celebrating. It's crazy. That'd be you, an awful way to go out. You know, you know? I, I'm going to say one last thing because I, I, I watched the game and I was, I was, um, I felt exactly the same way as I hate to see anything. Obviously it wasn't one on the penalty by even by a long shot, but it did cast a little bit of doubt into what might've happened. But yeah, it it's really it is hard to know like from the camera what really was going on in the field, and one of the closest people to the to the action was McCone. I always say his name wrong. McCone, Mahone, Mahomes, who, Mahomes, Mahomes, who was like he was right there pointing it out at me as it was happening. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, that's probably half the reason it got called. Too. And maybe, yeah, obviously that's what you they know. do. But like, like you ever seen those videos was, of Michael Jordan doing that? Like where he would, he'd be like, that was a foul. And the guy would be like, I didn't even see it, but I trust you, Mike. You know, <laughs> like that used to happen. So I think Mahomes has some sway, you know, it might have something I'm to do sure, with that. But the, my point is it's probably was dirtier than what it might've looked like on the playback. I mean, the guy sat in the press conference and said he interfered with him. So, you know, right. like, it is oh, he did. Is. Oh, that's good. He I didn't did. hear that. And this is the funny part. I got reminded by a fan yesterday that two former New York Giants are the ones who punted the Eagles here because Kadarius Tony, who had that great punt return, was on the Giants this season and the Giants traded him away. And James oh. Bradbury, who had the now infamous pass interference call, is also a former Giant. Ah. So, they were thinking that maybe the, the <laughs> curse the curse of East Rutherford keeps going. Oh, you know? I didn't know that. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love how we turned this into a big blue segment. <laughs> um, but anyway, it was nice. I was at a very nice Eagles party. They had v- vegan food. It wasn't as bad. So okay. it's, it's doable. But I'm still not letting my kid be an Eagles fan. I'm drawing the line there, you know? Fuck that. Good for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. But yeah, let's get into uh, let's get into Ben here. We had a nice conversation. All right. It's going on. Track. 
Are you in pajamas? No, I'm I'm dressed for the day. What's uh That could be pajamas. That's true. <laughs> Considering true. man, you know, Brad and I have talked about this before. I am astonished by moving out closer to like suburbs and rural areas and seeing how often people wear just like sweats and workout gear and things like that in public places. Oh when, yeah. When I was a kid, this is a sign of degradation in your life, you know? <laughs> this wasn't a good thing. Like if you left the house in basketball shorts or sweatpants or, you know, now things have changed. Yeah, I, I've never been a um, a sweatpants guy. I I sleep in them and then I, I have to get dressed in the morning. Yeah, I, I, I almost feel shame personally. What? Now, Ben, you're, you're a generally functional guy as I know you. What's your what's your morning like? When do you get up? What's your routine? You a coffee guy? Big breakfast? How long yeah. do you wait till you check your phone? I I wish I could wait longer to check my phone, but <laughs> um I have to check the uh the work slack for the donut shop uh, when I wake up. Yeah. Um oh man, how peaceful it would be to just wake up and not look at my phone for like an hour or two. Uh. Yeah, but, yeah. I think this will eventually be determined something good for mental health down oh, the road. Yeah. Uh, but but you know, it's already it been determined that <laughs> we, we haven't gotten the uh, like FDA guidelines yet. I mean, I don't know what that would fall under CDC, maybe. But <laughs> like, we haven't gotten the official guidelines. But uh, yeah, I it, think we're all starting to lead yeah. that way, right? It's definitely uh, doing a lot of damage. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I wake up and um. Definitely make make coffee and breakfast. Um, I don't know. It, it definitely like when I don't have any like clear structure to the day. I struggle with that a little bit. But yeah, yeah. Um, like you know, if I'm off tour for a while and don't have anything super specific to do, like I always have stuff to do, but not always with a time frame. So sure, yeah. Um, yeah, try to get a, get ahead of uh, procrastinating, but. Um, but yeah, I try to I try to wake up, make coffee and breakfast, and then uh, try to exercise, and then whatever nice. else happens after that. Yeah, yeah. What are we talking? Drip, French press. Uh, you a I fancy get, one? I, I don't get that fancy. I mean, for for someone who <laughs> um, deals with coffee, right? Uh, kind of a lot, but yeah, just uh, just drip. Um, we got one of those uh, one of those smeg coffee makers on our mm-hmm. wedding registry it's really futuristic looking but uh, okay. wait smeg smeg yeah i don't what know i'm not familiar we both don't know i i believe i mean i'm no You're deeper in the industry than us you know well it, this is just it's like um i think it's a european a company but they make like those rounded uh like um like those those Giant uh, refrigerators that are. Oh, like, I see it. It's sexy. They're like pastel colors. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It looks like a little spaceship. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Jetsons style. Oh, uh, yeah. Total Jetsons. Fun, fashionable yeah. coffee. Yeah, it's nice. It works great. Jetsons um, just came up in my home because we got one of those hand me down. It's not a Roomba, but one of those things. Like we were, we were handed down like an old floor vacuum the ones that just cruise (laughs) around on their own and i was like listen i don't really want this thing in my house but 
if it's here, it's got to be named Rosie, right? <laughs> you know, for the Jetsons. Like, yeah. there's only one name that you can give this thing. Um, oh, yeah. My kids went with Mr. Roboti. I've been, I've been fighting him. I, I don't think it's a strong name, you know? But I don't want to break their hearts. <laughs> you just got to play them, play them some Jetsons episodes. Yeah. Get them, yeah, get them uh, wet the whistle a little. Now, what are we talking for breakfast? A bacon and eggs, oatmeal. Um, you know, sometimes, uh, yeah, tur- turkey, bacon, eggs. Um, Trader Joe's has those um, potato pancakes. That, oh yeah. Uh, usually make a couple of those. Those are good. Oh, so um, you use you use some latkes for for hash browns. I do. Yeah. They're, How they're, international of you? I they're like so it. good. They um, are really good. And then I'll alternate between that or making smoothies. I have one of those little magic bullets. Um, Ooh, yeah, those are the best. We got yeah. those. So we, we used to we used to take them on tour too, and they were they were pretty great. Um, yeah, I've had bad luck with like bringing anything smoothie or juice related, like it, actually around with me. It's just. It's like camping. It's too big of a cleaning <laughs> commitment that I just I just can't handle true. on a daily basis, you know. <laughs> yeah, we, we when we when we've done tours in bandwagons, we would bring them, and you can't really wash them out in the bandwagon because it's like the water is kind of sketchy. Right. So you'd have to like rely on bringing them into the venue or whatever. And then if someone forgot one and left it for a couple of days, it would get pretty gnarly. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then sometimes it. I'm like, how hard is it to just find like celery in Fayetteville right now? You know, like <laughs> like I'm just in the wrong spot for like yeah. fresh produce. You know? Well, we we started putting stuff like that on the rider. Um, yeah, but then yeah, it was pretty hit or miss. Yeah, you never know, right? Who who yeah. goes out that day if they're resourceful or not. So, like you're a, a regular touring person, um, and you you already mentioned it. Like, do you? How's the adjustment for you when you're going from like the road to home and back? Do you, do you have a tough time with that or? Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like living two lifestyles. Right. right. And it's like, yeah, it feels totally different. And there's usually like a couple of days of overlap where I sleep a lot um, and just try to like ease back into one or the other. Um but yeah, I mean, I've been doing it for a long time. It, it never gets like easier. I don't know if you feel that way, but um, I don't know. You can kind of, you I know mean, what to expect. Of, yeah, I mean, kind of the opposite for me. I think it's gotten a little more difficult. Like, yeah, you know, when I was younger, um, my home life was so fucking fucked up anyway that like going on tour was almost like more of a, you know, a constructed day and more of a constructed place than even being home. Um, so I think going back and forth back then, but then the get into like the rhythms of adult life and work and all the other types of responsibilities and relationships, I think it has to change like your relationship to touring and how you do it. Physically, it stays the same, but mentally, I think you have to like start kind of tackling it a different way. You think so yeah. too? I I definitely think so. I think uh, you you see a lot of bands as they, you know, as they g- get further and further into their careers, they're doing like shorter 
legs of tours and breaking them up, um, which is really nice. Like we, we would always just kind of like, you know, if we were going to tour, we would do this six or seven week thing. And, and that's like, that is pretty rough when, when you are balancing it at home because yeah, when you're like early twenties or whatever, there's less going on back home. Um, and I think the last couple of years too, really threw that off because you, you know, you had no chance, no choice, but to be home. So right. you like really settled in to being home and then going back out on the road was like just pretty jarring. Yeah. Do you notice anything like, like things kicking in if you're not careful? Like, do you feel like depression, things like that start to start to poke in, in that routine? Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's always kind of like that mental struggle of like, how do you stay mentally well, uh, you know, on, on the road when, you know, you're thinking about what's going on back home and, and, you know, vice versa when you're home and you're like, ah, oh, man, I really wish we were out playing shows. And, right. um, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to like have any sort of baseline of like what is normal. Cause you kind of teeter between the two. Yeah. Like you said, it's almost like two normals. Yeah. So do you find any like tools, uh, you know, useful when you're going through something like that? Something to, to pick you back up or a way you can organize yourself that you don't, you don't feel it as much? Um, definitely like staying active. Um, we were, <laughs> we were one of those, uh, households who succumbed to the Peloton over the last couple of years. So I've, <laughs> oh, nice. I've been, uh, I've been doing that a lot, which is really great. Cause even if you only have like 15 or 20 minutes, you could still get a really good workout. So that's the exercise portion of the morning is the Peloton. T- typically. Yeah. Yeah. So you're um, on the bike getting like yelled at by people. Is that, that's, yeah, that's basically I, my knowledge of it. Or like encouraged, you know, there's <laughs> some, <laughs> most of them are, I don't know. There's like, you, you gravitate towards whatever, uh, style motivates you, I guess. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. they the rides are fun and you can kind of just like turn the headphones up and zone out for a little bit and, you know, work up a good sweat. Yeah. Yeah. So you find exercise is a good way. What about on the road? Like, I know it's not as easy to find that routine. What's, what's kind of stuff you use on the road to, f- to fight off the demons? Uh, I mean, like I, I usually end up going so inward um, and mm. like not like, yeah, kind of being closed off. So I, I've been trying to be better about just like, you know, if I'm feeling off, like take the time I need by myself, but then like, you know, go have a conversation with, you know, I'm, I'm touring with like my closest friends, you know, so right. like why not use that to my advantage? And, um, you know, so w- we're all pretty good about lifting each other up when, you know, when it's tough or when there's something stressful going on back home or, you know, when you get to that point in the tour where everyone's just really tired and, you know, you, I don't know, it, it always seems to happen. And then you always turn that corner. And then by the end of it, you're like, Oh man, I I could do this for another two weeks. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Once you get in that rhythm. Yeah. I find that too. I mean, that's kind of my default also is to, if there's a bunch of stuff going on to just like go inside with it. Mm -hmm. But then I've been finding, especially recently, like, you know, if you're inside and it's nobody else's fault, you know, of course, you know that, but potentially the people around you don't know that. Right. And then they start wondering, uh, did I do something wrong? 
Like, what's wrong with this guy? Is is it is it the tour? Is it the show? Is it you know like? And I think yeah, I mean maybe part of a adult touring is being able to communicate those emotions, right? To know that. Oh, definitely. To be clear with where you're at, so there's no you know misgivings on on what's happening with a person. It's it takes definitely a high level of like adult relationship sensibility, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, if you're if you're still out on the road, like you you got to be, you know, you got to love what you're doing, right? And um, and the last couple of tours we've done have been uh, in vans, so uh, right. you you really you're really in close quarters, and you're really sure. pick, picking up on like these little micro behaviors of everybody, and oh, like yeah. you know, somebody's not not feeling themselves today, you know, so. Right. Um, so yeah, it's like being sensitive to that and, um, I don't know, lift, lifting each other up is, it becomes important cause it's, you know, everybody's relying on each other and everyone's yeah. in close quarters. So yeah, um, and van touring takes it like to the next level, right? Cause you're, <laughs> you're like, well, you know, I, I used to know this person. Now I know when they like to shit. You know, now I know like like what they wear to go to sleep, you know, like Mm -hmm. the most intimate things that usually only, you know, very few people have a window into, you know. Yeah. Who's who's the cuddler when you're sharing a bed? Who who talks in their sleep? (laughs) Who's got the night terrors? Who is it in Tigers? Who who's the most likely in the current Tigers Draw group if you're like sharing hotel rooms that you'll wake up and like their arm is draped over you? Oh, t- Teddy for sure. Oh, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, our drummer, our drummer Teddy. He, uh, you know, I, he's yeah. He like he'll talk in his sleep and um, really, you know, he'll th- throw his arm around you. Wow. Um, Have you heard yeah. him say anything like interesting? Um, that's usually kind of like nonsense. Um, usually kind of like muttering. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I What's can't like- think of anything offhand that's that was like actually like. You know, stringing a few actual words together, but yeah, and you start to see everybody's like <laughs> weird daily rituals. We did have um, our friend uh, played with us and, and toured with us for a little while, and um, our friend Sam and and he had some sort of weird night terror, and uh, everyone woke up and he was like on his on his knees on the bed, but like facing the backboard, and his arms were like extended outward. And he didn't know like that he was like he thought he was sleeping, and it looked very like I don't know like a satanic ritual or something. And everyone Whoa. was everyone was super freaked out. <laughs> Is this Sam Lister? Uh, no, but we we oh. have tour. Sam has Sam Lister has played drums for us on a tour. Yeah, I saw uh, that on the uh, Wikipedia. I was I was excited. yeah yeah old Sam, yeah, Sam Sharks. Oh, good guy, great guy. I love him. I haven't yeah. seen him in way too long. So wait, so did you wake up and see see this during uh, the night terror? Well, I was in one of the other hotel rooms, but okay. the rest, like some of the other band did, they woke up and and saw him like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Do, did like, they try to wake him up? Position. They did. They, they like sh- beat up stepbrother style. Like you're not they supposed to. They shook him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're not supposed to. <laughs> Is that real? Are you really not supposed to? Like, I, I don't you know, know what I, the... Yeah, well... I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to take my um, uh, stepbrothers as like you know <laughs> historical yeah. nonfiction here. Um, for you could learn, you could you could learn a lot from that. You could learn a lot from that, and I, yeah. but I do think that's a thing where I think it's less for like 
you know, I don't know if like you're a, a 300 pound person and the person trying to wake you up is, you know, you know, I, like I do think there might pose some kind of risk of like mm-hmm. freaking out, but I do think it's like more for the person. I remember my brother had some issues with that when I was younger and I believe my parents or my dad's like way of doing it was you make them do something that, that is very like normal during the day, like have a drink of water or something like that. Like something that kind of snaps them into like some sense of like normalcy. Like I'm actually here on the earth with other people and this was not real. But yeah, um, yeah I don't know actually if that's, if that's a real thing or not. That's something we're going to have to look up afterwards. I yeah, have not too sure. much experience myself. Yeah, all I know is they they shook him for a while and he wasn't snapping out of it. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. They really ran the risk there. Yeah, they were all freaked out. It was funny. You know, you got to wonder in those moments, like, I've seen The Exorcist, you know? Like, <laughs> is it not a night terror? Is it possession? Well, I, we also, our, our guitar player, Mark, on this last tour that we did, um, he, we stayed in this bizarre hotel in like the Poconos area. Okay. And, um, what was bizarre about it? It just like, it had one of those like middle areas that has like a weird sort of pool that, um, like it probably was this wild oasis in like the late eighties, early nineties. And it kind of just like has stayed the same, but like all the rooms would, would open up like into this, middle sort of area and it was sure. indoors but it had like the um it was like fake outdoors i guess yeah 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 I think um, I know what you're talking about and there was just like i don't know like weird old art and um there was like i don't know nobody there and uh our guitar player mark like had like these like crazy like sleep paralysis dreams where he was seeing this very frightening face i guess Whoa. um and then like he he was like having like an out of body experience and like moving around the room and stuff and seeing um, seeing himself sleeping while moving around yeah yeah wow and That's then intense. we um we woke up and you know he was telling us about it and we went out to go get into the van to get back on the road and there was a one of our tires was slashed <gasps> oh possibly really? by this uh you know this the spirit. I'm not sure. Wow. <laughs> but there were some weird. Did you look up any like history of that hotel? We couldn't find much about it, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was just like one of those weird, like kind of stuck in time hotels that are somehow still around. Uh, yeah, I just pictured you... The Shining. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was that. <laughs> um, but it had like one of those. Uh, if if The Shining Hotel had like one of those terminator uh like arcade game machines oh. uh in, in the <laughs> middle of the lobby right right because it was once a, a semi strange like ski resort kind of place <laughs> that needed to entertain kids too wow, yeah that's interesting so do you do you believe in stuff like are you a a believer in the the paranormal and and then you know people speaking to you from another place do you think this is real and or possible it's possible. I, I don't, I haven't had any of those like, you know, kind of visceral experiences, but I, I, I'm, I would welcome one. Like I, right. I want, I, want <laughs> I would, I would love for that to happen to me so I could get some sort of, you know, 
Like I can't have an opinion on it because it's never happened to me. You I know, know. So, I know. Uh, I would like to believe that there's some, yeah, some sort of like connection between, well, I don't know, this this world and other worlds. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm the same. I like. I used to be really scared of it, and I think still, if I was in the moment with something like that, I'd be very scared. Same. But also, I think for the, let's call us maybe the religiously handicapped. Um, <laughs> like I do feel like, uh, we're kind of craving a paranormal experience to just prove to ourselves that something else is going on. Yeah. Dead, you know, and mm-hmm. I think people want to believe in ghosts because of that. I'm starting to wonder now that, you know, cameras have been around a long time. Video <laughs> cameras have been around a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm starting to be like, yeah, shit, you know? This is too long now without catching something real, you know, yeah. something more than like a shadow on a wall or like, like if people are having such prolific experiences that you can see with your own eyes, you know, these things act as our own eyes. And I'm like, it's kind of making me like, ah, shit, maybe it's not real at all. I know, like, like cryptids and stuff, like Bigfoot photos are always blurry and far away. and Yeah, like it's always, it's always kind of easier to try to find the fantastical thing to something than just deal with like the absolute truth, you know, which is, yeah, it probably doesn't fucking exist in our minds. We're just creating it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do know that the, the brain is pretty, a pretty wild and unpredictable thing. So it can like suggest things to you that, you know, are unique to you. And you might have these experiences that feel very real, but I don't know. It's, it might just be all in your head. Or all in your head is like, you know, the other dimension. You know? Sure, yeah. Does, does that make it not real? Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe that's why going inside your head is the thing that brings you to the other side of the matrix. <laughs> Could be. Although, you know, as we've said before, we spend a lot of time in our own head. So <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> we, we, we would have found the door by now. Speaking of stuff like this, have you tinkered around with this uh, chat GPT yet? Uh, no, I, I, I'm like, I don't know. I, that stuff scares me. The more and more I see it, like, I don't know. It's just like, it's intriguing, but I don't know. I, I, I haven't messed around with it. Brad, what was that noise? You sound, sound scared, skeptical? It was a carrot. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, you're the one who works uh, intimately with Skynet every day. Dude, my daughter's already on. So I wouldn't go piss it off, you know? This is part of her discussion, like, now at school because kids are using it. And I just told her, I'm like, you know, the one thing they're never going to be able to do is play a good live show. So just keep your guitar chops up. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Write the songs. they They may even be able to write good songs, but they're not going to be able to play them, so... So wait, what what grade is your your daughter's what? Freshman, sophomore in high school She's now? She's in 10th grade. Yeah, so what like what are they telling kids in high school about this right now? Like are they saying 1000% don't use it, don't bring it oh, to school? Yeah, they're definitely saying don't use it, but I also I get the feeling that it's just like so they don't know how to deal with it. It's not oh, yeah. part of the curriculum. I just heard yet. this morning there's there's 100 million users on it. Holy Shit. And and that's with like zero advertising. The the yeah. the the people I was listening to this morning were talking about it almost as like the iPhone. You know how like the initial iPhone was like 
grossly expensive and barely worked with a lot of networks. And it was kind of like a piece of shit in a way. (laughs) But like, it just was so intriguing that, you know, of course it kept going. And like, this thing has had no advertising, no budget for that. And there's a hundred million users tinkering with it. Unless you count like every major press outlet as advertising, free advertising. Because it's been in the news big time. My brother-in-law the other day sent me, he was toying around with it. And he sent me, write me a Gaslight Anthem song about a blonde (laughs) girl from New Jersey. (laughs) And it wrote a song, choruses and all. I think it was four verses and four choruses. So immediately, chat GPT is getting something wrong. You know, someone's got to put, don't bore us, get to the chorus in there, please. But, you know, I I sent it to everyone in the band just as a goof. And we were like, listen, Brian, I think you're good still. Like AI, you know, like this sounds like a, like a 12-year-old, you know, who's taking ESL classes, like wrote this song. So I think like you're still good for now. But, you know, it's an early edition. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting yeah, better. AI is listening to this right now, and it's oh, like writing, it's, it's writing down your feedback, and it's going to come back with another another song. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. They're like, listen, that was a freshman slump there. Like, try, try, <laughs> try this one. Try this one out for size. I was yeah. wondering, though, do you think people freaked out this much when the, when the calculator came in? You know, this is like thousands of years of people saying, you know, this is the way to do math. This is the way you write it. This is arithmetic. And then out of nowhere, you know, like you could essentially program a Texas Instruments, you know, calculator to do everything you wanted in in this short time. Do you think mathematicians were freaking out as, as badly as like English professors are right now? These other things are basically tools, though, even though... We, we've had, you know, inventions in history that replaced people. They were tools. This is like, this, the AI thing is like replacing, you know, it's replacing creative people. It's like, but why it's can't imitating this be used people. as a tool? Like, like, you know, the same way if you had a math problem and you were typing it out and then you still had to show your work or like, you know, you, um, have to write some kind of essay, but in conjunction with it, you have to do 30, like, you know, five minutes of expository speaking on the subject, like right off the top of your head or something. Like, can't that just be a tool for, you know, uh, speaking better, writing better and getting more information if we don't like freak out about it? I guess it could be used as a tool, but I think the the issue is like it being passed off as, people's work or replacing actual like creativity or something like that. I don't know. Sure. Well, I did hear that one of the original uh, engineers of this chat GPT is already off that program and releasing a program to find AI essays and stuff like the, like it, you know, like the spy, the chat GPT spy that like teachers can use or something to kind of, pinpoint it so yeah yeah. all this all the students are pretty pissed off about that oh are they everyone that's like using it to cheat is now like oh this is like the narc program yeah 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 well and then you know who knows maybe skynet will take that one out if if terminator (laughs) is an indication you know 
Yeah. Well, we should talk a little bit about music. So uh, <laughs> the band Tiger's Jaw, still your band, obviously, mm-hmm. um, playing lots of shows. I love that last record. I was just listening to your COVID record release show before oh, I popped you. on. I found that to be, you guys did a really nice job with that, by the way. It was like one of the more artful and better sounding COVID shows I'd seen. Thank um, you. Was that hard? That was difficult to put together at the time? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of at the height of everything. And like, we all had to like, it was very stressful because everyone had to test and mask right. up. And like, it was like, we tried to see how we could do it with as few people involved as possible. Um, okay. But it was, you know, it was a big undertaking. So it was like, you know, we needed different camera people. We needed audio engineers. We like, we had a few people help us like build out the set. Um, So yeah, we like rented out uh, this local venue, which unfortunately just had to close its doors um, a month or two ago, but um, in Wilkes-Barre, it was called Carl Hall. Um, I guess kind of like right, right before, like right, right as the year was ending, um, whoever owned the building was like hiking the rent up like an insane amount. So Wait, you're Pretty from the area, and you just—it's not Wilkes-Barre. Uh, I've always I've gotten in uh, trouble for not saying that. Before. <laughs> I've always known it to be Wilkes-Barre, but there's yeah, a there's know. a healthy debate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but I'm from but I'm from Scranton, so I you know I will default to people that have actually grown up there. But well, you like, know better than me. Um, but I mean, so my. Uh, my frame of reference was always from the Scranton Wilkes Bear Red Barons, which was the Phillies AAA team when I was growing up. Oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. so um, so you guys did it that, and how did you think to like put in all the, you know, sort of the cool, you know, video elements between song to song, and not just decide to do a full like live concert? I thought that was that was pretty artful. Yeah. Um, well, we. It would have been really tough to kind of just do it continuously. Um, And it just like, with all the stress of like COVID stuff going on, it was like, let's just do this in a way that's going to be fun and not super stressful. So like, let's take the pressure off having to do it as like a continuous performance. Okay. Um, So, you know, we, we didn't film it like all in one go. And um, so, so Brianna um, you know, my, my bandmate, um, she sort of, you know, took up the, the helm of editing. So we got a a whole bunch of B-roll footage and, you know, just kind of shots around the, the set that we designed. And that's something she had, had tackled previously, or this was new to her as well. So, um, we did a, a couple of music videos over the pandemic that, um, were sort of like, you know, D, very DIY minded. Um, the first, the first single that we released for Cast Cradle was done by like a legit, you know, team of of professionals in a in a really cool like art studio sort of thing. Um, okay. But the next one, the the video for Hesitation, um, our good friend Shane Moran um, kind of conceptualized, wrote, directed. Um, the the music video for that one and so we had some friends like build out the the sets like there's like like uh one of those magic there's a there's a stage there's one of those like magic 
boxes where you cut someone in half. Um, there's like all, all these really cool like props and, and set pieces and stuff that, uh, you know, we, we built and painted and, you know, um, put together and, uh, we filmed it all outside cause it, again, it was at the height of, of COVID, but, um, you know, we, uh, just tried to do as much as we could with, you know, with what we had available to us. So it was, it was pretty fun. It was sort of like a back to basics, like, you know, early days of the band kind of yeah, doing yeah. everything yourself kind of thing, which was really fun. Um, so then that went really well. And we did a third music video for, uh, the song new Detroit, mm-hmm. um, which was at, uh, we filmed it at a, at a friend's house and, uh, two, two of our friends, um, Kyle and Dana, directed it and shot it and everything. And kind of in that same weekend, we got everybody who was working on that to also work on this uh, album release show. So it was like, you know, didn't have to involve a ton of extra people. Okay. Um, so anyway, like it was just like doing things on a lower budget, but also kind of like wanting to capture like our own, essence as best we could and and Bree's always been like the artistic direction of the band you know she's always done like our cover art and she's always done our merch designs like pretty much most of them over the years that's awesome um and so she was like yeah i'm gonna just tackle this and and do like some video editing so she did that and um really did such an amazing job um, yeah, yeah, no, it really, it looks great. And it's cool too, because it's, I think where, you know, being in a DIY type, you know, bands, especially from, you know, the inception of careers, like actually put a lot of, our, you know, you guys and some of our friends in maybe a better position than a lot of bands, because, you know, I think a lot of people didn't know how to do it themselves, you know, sure. and, and yeah. people that come from our world were like, oh, so we just got to do it like the way we did it six years ago. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, like we're good on that. Like So kind of put people, the DIY spirit, I think kind of shined inside of that COVID time. You know, the people who actually knew how to take care of their own business, record their own music, like really started to excel in that time, which is cool. Yeah, for sure. So like, you know, what's your, uh, you know, songwriting you know, style and process when you're home? Like, are you, you know, constantly creating, constantly writing? Do you set a time every day or do you need like a deadline or, oh, we're going to start working on a new record. Now I'm going to write songs. Like what's your, what's your (laughs) vibe that way? Oh, it's funny you should ask because like I'm in the middle of like a huge writer's block, which always happens to me in between records. So like, something some sort of spark will happen and and then i'll be able to like write a bunch of stuff and so how do you know you're in a block are you like sitting down and trying to do shit or it's just like living your normal day and just nothing's inspiring you yeah i've never like tried to force it you know and because when i have like sat down i'm like i'm gonna write something right now and literally nothing ever happens so (laughs) it's like the spark always has to come like when i'm not trying uh you know so uh, it's it's a weird thing and it's uh, really i i wrestle with it because i wish i wish it was an easier or more like dependable process but it's like i'll get done writing for a record and, and we'll record it and whatever and then i'll be like well that's 
maybe that's it. Maybe I don't have any songs left. Oh yeah. Um, you man, know, that's terrifying. Yeah, it's, it's terrifying, <laughs> but, um, but I've always gotten through it and I've always written more songs eventually. So, yeah. um, so I kind of just, you know, have to let it happen in some ways and then, or, you know, but also be open to potential inspirations from, you know, wherever they may come. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you walk around during the day and when you're, you know, looking at things, looking at people, like, do you see it in the context of a song or or you kind of live your life separately that way? Um, yeah, it's not, I'm not as like poetic as that. Um, <laughs> but, but I, I think there's like this little process of like collection of words and phrases and, you know, riffs or, or whatever, you know, so like in my, you know, my phone, there's like a notes thing that's got like just little fragments of songs. And then in my, uh, you know, voice memos, there's just, you know, a, a ton of little like riff ideas or chord progressions or whatever. Mm-hmm. And usually like some sort of like big aha moment happens where like one of those phrases will come together with a melody and then I will find the, you know, like the chord progression or whatever and kind of just put it all together. And once that gets rolling. Um, I don't know. It's sort of, I guess it sort of unlocks something where I'm like, okay, now I can, now I'm on a roll. But, uh, but sometimes it takes a, a long time to get back to that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It, it used to freak me out a lot more than it does now. Now I'm right. just kind of like, like trust it's going to come. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You've done it enough. Yeah. 
Yeah, I wish, I mean, I wish it were different. I wish, you know, like I wish I could just sit down and like devote time to writing every single day. And, you know, maybe, maybe I'll give it another go at some point. But, um, but yeah, we like this year we are, you know, intending to write and hopefully record a a new record. So, sure. I would um, say, you know, when you say like, you know, when I've sat down to do this and nothing good has ever come out of it, I do truly believe in the idea that like, even if you work for a couple hours, and try to come up with something and you walk away after two hours going, I got nothing. That was shit. Or what I came up with is no good and I'll never do this again. I do still (laughs) think there's something useful in that process. Like, you know, you're getting from A to B in a certain way. And, and the next day you'll know just a little bit more about something, you know, like, I, I don't think it's totally like a Sisyphean task, you know? No, for sure. And at the very least, it's just like practicing your craft, like playing guitar or whatever. So, I mean, I, and I, and I do that, but like not always right. with the intention of like writing, you know, sure. so, but just, when just it, when it kind of, yeah, or, you know, just, <laughs> it just happens. And then, you know, if I come up with something where I'm like, oh, that, that's fun to play, or that sounds cool, or that could be something, uh, then I'll just, you know, record it in my, voice memos and then, you know, kind of go back to it when I'm actually in it, in the process of writing. Sure. Now, how's it work with lyrics? I know you and Brie both, both write lyrics, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, how, like you've been doing this so long. um, What's like the shorthand with you guys with like the back and forth and, and how do you know when, when something is a winner and how is that kind of conveyed to each other, you know? Well, I mean, in terms of like, so Brie wasn't always uh, a songwriter in the band and, you know, it sort of, it sort of happened, uh, as a progression over the last couple of records, there was, um, uh, on our record charmer, a couple, uh, which is coming up on 10 years ago, which is like wow. blow, yeah. blowing my mind. Um, <laughs> yeah. there was a, a song called hum where I was demoing it out and was, um, you know, I, I had most, you know, 90% of it done, but I, I was like, you know what? I, um, I'm not going to write this second verse. I'm going to like challenge Brie to, to write it. Oh, um, cool. You know, so, uh, we, we knew we wanted her to sing more on that record. And, um, and then it evolved into like her basically singing lead on the studio recording of that song. So, cool. um, so, so yeah, I was like, you know, you should really, you know, you should give, give this a shot. Like, the the framework of the song like the theme like it's all kind of established you 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 can just kind of like make that part your own within the framework of the song that you know is already together so she stepped up did it it was great you know um and then the next record it was uh you know during a pretty transitional time in, in our band so it was just her and I that right. uh that yeah. wrote and and recorded on on that record called spin um, so she, you know, she stepped up and wrote a bunch of songs herself, um, you know, where I, I would help with like, you know, uh, chord progressions and, and things like that and, and structuring things. Cause you know, she had been playing in the band for obviously a long time, but not, she, she wasn't a, you know, a songwriter right, for, for that long. So it was, yeah, it was sure. still like a new, a new thing for her and, you know, she's written some amazing songs, so it's, yeah, it's yeah, for sure. awesome to see, but um, what are some of the ones from the last record that that she wrote? Uh, so she wrote uh, "Cat's Cradle" right. and uh, "Heaven Apart," 
and uh, Lemon Mouth. Um, and uh, the song Commit that she sings lead on, I actually wrote for her to sing. So, oh, cool. Um, so I wrote that knowing like this isn't <laughs> this one's not for me to to sing lead on. Like she yeah. she would really she would really shine doing this, and it's not. And I was you know my thought process was this is not a song that she would write for herself, but I know she would you know really knock this one out of the park. So well, that's cool uh, too because you know from an outsider's perspective, like I thought your last record stepped further away from your other records than mm-hmm. than previously for a number of different reasons and. You know, like I think you know, adding something like that into the mix, you know, later in a band's career is is not only like, you know, creatively like enriching, but smart, you know, so you just don't, you know, spin. it's hard to, to not spin the same wheel and keep pushing and having that other oh, for sure. Having that other voice must be must be really good for that. Um, oh, it's it's great. Yeah. I, I did see like the newer stuff seems to lean a bit almost uh, heavier. Um, in some ways, um, some of the parts like really are pretty girthy. Like, is that, is that an intentional thing? Is that a sign for the future for you all? Um, I'm not sure. I think maybe it was like, you know, so our new, our newest record is called, I won't care how you remember me. And, um, it was the, the first that, um, we had done since our bass player, Colin and drummer Teddy, you know, joined us as like full on members of the band. So, um, so it was, it was a really cool process of like, you know, bringing kind of like the skeleton of songs to everyone and then kind of just jamming them through, which was something we didn't get to do with this, the spin record because it was just me me and Brie. Like we, you know, there, there weren't drums played until I was tracking them in the studio. You know what I mean? Like we just kind of had to conceptualize it and like kind of demo things ourselves. But like for this record, we got to really like hash everything out in the room, which was a great, you know, it was over the process of maybe like six or eight months, we would get together like once every month or every other month and just kind of go through everything and, you know, you know, re-demo some stuff and refine things. And um, it was a really cool process. And it was definitely the most collaborative um, that, you know, it's ever been as far as like me giving up like control over my songs and like allowing other ideas in. And I, it was really awesome to be, you know, to, to be able to do that. And like, you can definitely hear everyone's, influences and everyone's like kind of musical style come through i think that's so great that's nice to hear as a yeah. drummer i love to hear these things um, oh yeah so i do feel bad because we initially were going to do this in person in philly and it was going to be you and brie um so i feel i feel bad a little that we left her out so i want to <laughs> i want to give a little brie appreciation appreciation can you can you Tell me something fun and or interesting the going off track audience may not know about her. About Brie. Well, yeah. huh. Let's see. Well, she's, she's got, uh, she's got a master's degree. Oh, which really? Which is awesome. I did uh-huh. not know that. Um, she, t- she, uh, she's an art teacher. She teaches kids art lessons, which is yeah. amazing because her art style is so cool and, yeah. and great, you know, so you, she's, you all have, Excellent merch. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
let's see what what else might be What's is it a master's cool degree in yeah. in art um or i know not like art specifically i'm sure it's something a little more narrowed down but you know i i actually don't know what the actual um like what the specific degree is in but um but yeah she's like a certified art teacher um and she's done a lot of like uh substitute teaching as well um but yeah, she's awesome. She's uh, she's got some. She's got a bunch of cats that she really loves. Um, <laughs> right. she, she's getting married this year, which is great. Oh, um, cool! That's awesome. Yeah, to longtime partner Shane Moran, um, is a close friend, a great musician, um, and an a incredible artist in his own right. Um, so, you yeah. all have really been a, through a lot together. I mean, like you know, oh yeah, you know, I know most people on the outside kind of thought that, you know, in like 13, you guys keep saying you guys, I know that's not appropriate. You, <laughs> you all, um, <laughs> that's fine. I know I'm, I'm trying. I'm an old man. Uh, <laughs> I saw, you know, like that, you know, from the outside people thought, Oh, you know, everyone quit tiger's jar or, you know, left for whatever reason. And, and you two were like, no, you know, still a band. This is what we do. And we're, you know, that, and that that was almost ten years ago, and you've had yeah. you know a bunch of records since. So I mean, that's really a really cool, cool long term, steady partnership, right? Definitely. I mean, at you know at the time, like we had just basically you know graduated college, and we're kind of going to start doing the band full time. So like up right. until that point in 2013, we had toured you know maybe two or three weeks during summer breaks, you know, and then weekend shows here and there, but had never been like a full-time actual band, you know? So, um, you know, me, me and Bree definitely had a lot of goals and a lot of aspirations for the band that we were like, you know what, we, you know, we have so much more we can do and, and want to accomplish with this. So we were like, we're going to, we're going to keep on playing shows and making music. Now, was it like, you know, always um, pretty unified goals or, or there was some, you know, some hard conversations along the way to get there? Uh, we've, uh, you know, I've been very lucky to have been, you know, on the same page with Bria about, you know, most, most things, you know, like we, we want to just like, we have a lot of trust in each other, you know, like she, she does so much behind the scenes for the band and, and, you know, I, I do a lot behind the scenes as well. And, and we've always, you know, just been kind of organically growing the band by, you know, doing stuff that we get fulfillment and enjoyment out of, you know, like, um, we're we've never been the biggest band in the world, but we've been so lucky to get to like travel everywhere and meet so many great people like you know I, I met my wife through mutual connections because of touring and because of right. you know playing in the in the band and you know so many of my closest friends i've met through being in this band so um so yeah we just always have been like if it feels good if it feels right we're gonna pursue it and and do the things that you know that we want to do and, and try to travel and try to play everywhere and um and yeah, keep keep writing music as long as we still, you know, are getting something out of it and, and doing something that we love doing. That's always kept us on the same page. So you're um 
you were the first drummer of Tiger's Jaw. <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah. Well, how's your chops? You still get behind a kit from time you to know, time? You know, these days, not as great, but uh, I mean, I was ne- I was never an amazing drummer. I, I do I do love it. Um, when I was in seventh or eighth grade, um, I saved up and bought an insanely bad drum kit from a uh, like a <laughs> like a pawn shop in Scranton. What was do you remember what it was? It was a, it was a Jet. Do you remember the? Did you ever hear Vaguely, of Jet? Yeah. So yeah. they, I mean, it was a it was a piece <laughs> of junk, but I, I loved it. And my parents, for whatever reason, they let me set it up like right in the right in the corner of the living room. Wow. And cool. Um, eventually it was banished to the attic, but, uh, it was there for (laughs) parents always have a misconception of how loud drums actually are. So they're so loud. And now that I'm a bit older, I'm like, yeah, drums are too loud. They've always been too loud. Um, but it had these like terrible symbols that if you hit the crash too hard, it would like, it would like fold up underneath like um it was it was so it was so bad yeah that's it would turn into like a, a moving china almost. exactly like, yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was a transition symbol it would yeah. it would go from one one to the other well, that sounds ahead um, of its time maybe yeah it was pretty i'll see if i'll see if it's still at my parents house somewhere i'll send it to you for the next uh record oh i'd love that I'm sure whatever um, producer I have would really love that. <laughs> yeah. No, I over it, I over China in my youth, so I think I'm retired. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was really fun drumming. And um so my friend Adam, who uh, you know, started Tiger Shaw with me, um, you know, he he was the the songwriter and he was the guitar player. So right. um we we had a you know like sort of a revolving door for the first like couple of months even even like probably a couple of years but it was basically like um, there was a, a kind of a bunch of bands in Scranton that we would kind of be in and out of but we you know we were we were doing this project and uh, at the very least we knew we had guitar and drums and sometimes we would play shows as a two piece sometimes you know we would see if our friend who played bass was around or if uh, our friend who was a drummer would was around that I would play bass and you know if we had you know enough people I would switch to guitar so I was sort of like the That's the cool. utility player yeah, yeah. for for the 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 first little bit um but yeah I I played drums on all of like our crazy bad sounding early early recordings <laughs> right. um and it, yeah it was it was always really fun but uh, do you I, do you uh, like inform your your you know drummers you've had and and suggest ideas or do you kind of like stay out of that neighborhood these days um i think like when i do demos now um if i if it's like if it's something really specific that i want um i will kind of like you know program them i I use that term very loosely but like i'll (laughs) you know i'll program them best as best i can so like you know like the the if it's a specific rhythm or a specific like fill, that's kind of like, um, you know, if, if it's part of the core of, of what I think the song is, then I'll like kind of be specific about that. But otherwise I'll be like, you know, make it, make it your own. Like this is the, the basic idea, but like sure. make it your own. And and Teddy's like a multi-instrumentalist, yeah, like yeah. M- musical genius. So like he speaks all musical languages and, sure. and, 
probably whatever I'm thinking, like he will nail the spirit of it and elevate it, you know, far yeah. more. So, um, it's, let's give a little Teddy appreciation. Excellent. Oh, player, yeah. man. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent drummer. He's, he's phenomenal. It's hard, plays smooth. Yeah. Very musical. Um, yeah, I think, I think that goes a little under credited sometimes with like, with drummers who understand songwriting, you know, mm-hmm. and just how to be musical and stay within that context. You know, it's a, it's another skill unto its own beyond, you know, speed and power and definitely chops and, and things like that, you know? And I hear how he like, like plays songs from spin, which on the record I, I played the drums. Like I hear how he performs those songs and makes it his own. And I'm like, wow, like wish I thought of that. Like, that's really good. <laughs> or like, you know, his style is just is so it, it's, it's awesome. So I, I, I feel great. Like our, our band now is like, everyone's so, so good at what they do and what they bring to the table. So it, just going to throw lo- this out there. I don't know if, I mean, it would be fun to watch a tiger's jaw show where you went behind the kit and Teddy popped out, you know? Yeah. We, is this we, in the to- cards? we toyed, we toyed around with it a little bit. Uh, we toyed around with that idea on this last headliner that we did, but we ended up not pulling, you know, not going for it. Um, Why? But, Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, we we kind of like pushed, we were like, oh, well, we'll do it for the last show or, you know, whatever. So we pushed it off for too long. And then um, there was like some, just like, at the end of the tour, just some like gear started breaking and like yeah, yeah. sound checks became like, long and arduous as they can be come yeah, sometimes yeah. and there's so there's not like that like extra time to like run through stuff or whatever sure, so sure, sure. we we ended up ditching the idea for for now but may, maybe we'll do it another right. time it'll, teddy it'll i'm fun. advocating for you i'll get you I out gotta, front, brother come on I, I gotta get my chops up though yeah yeah right you gotta i, I got some warm-ups i can send you please you uh, any, anything would anything would help yeah yeah, I started doing some really super nerdy like marching band drummer warm-ups. Nice. At, uh, you know, I never was in marching band, so it's like super basic stuff probably for for the drumline crowd, you know. Um, yeah. But, you know, just trying to get that. You know, the way I, I always think someone's, you know, I'm 42. There's all these young bucks out there, you know, nipping at my toes in this industry, oh, you, you know. You drum, you drum like a much younger man, oh. I, must, I must say. Go on. Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'd be remiss to not bring it up because it's just so interesting for people like me, which is Scranton. Mm-hmm. And I've met so many people from that place who are all just kind of like universally chill and nice. Um, it's like almost like the Canada of Pennsylvania. Like, I don't know <laughs> what's happening there, but I've like, kind of never there's like a certain vibe to to like the people there from the people i know like could you attribute that to anything do you see the same thing or or am i just meeting the right people Uh, well i obviously have like the bias of growing up there so i know there's a whole you know there's the whole gamut of of you know human behavior there but the the people that i have you know grown up with and gravitated towards that are you know are are from the area there's just like I don't know. There's, there's not a, like, there's not a lot going on there unless you make it happen for yourself. So like, Mm. um, I mean, just with regards to music, like it was a very 
cool, eclectic music scene where like everybody supported everybody and the like shows were very mixed bills and like there weren't a lot of steady venues. So like, you know, you'd throw shows in an, in an art gallery or basement shows or, you know, wherever you possibly could. So, um, so it just was like this really supportive and, and kind sort of like music scene um, where there was kind of like the absence of ego because nobody had like these grand like ambitions, right. sure, you know, sure. it was just like, it was just fun and, and like do, doing it for the reasons of like, just we're, we're bored here and, and we want to like make something cool and something that feels important, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's like a very working class, like sort of down and out kind of place uh, that was built on all these industries that are now, you know, defunct, like coal, coal mining and, stuff and like that. Yeah you know, textiles and like stuff that just got outsourced and, you know, sent to like giant factories and whatever. So like, it's, um, it's an interesting place, you know, it's like, it's, uh, it's got a lot of character. Uh, It's, it's home. You know, I I love it. How how Uh, far back does like your lineage go? Like your Scranton lineage? Um, you know, my, well, so my, my mom, I think I got into this with you, but my, my mom is, her family is actually from New Jersey. Right. Um, but my, my dad's whole side of the family, um, I think for quite a few generations goes back, um, you know, they're, that they're from, that they're from Scranton. Um, Do you know like what, what industries and stuff they were involved with? Um, you know, I don't, my sister is a really great like family historian and, and she's like, you know, she's uh, collected stories and pictures and she's got like this big kind of like book that's got all that stuff oh, cool. uh, sorted out. So I would need to, uh, I would need to consult with my sister about all that. Uh, we'll have to get her on. Yeah, we'll get her on. <laughs> um, we'll do the whole family tree. Um but yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't think any of my, you know, great grandparents or anything were like coal miners or, or whatever, but, right. um, but yeah, like it, it's, it's a, it's an interesting place and it's, you know, it's a, it's a fun place to grow up and it, you know, there's, uh, I think the music scene has sort of ebbed and flowed over the years. Um, but there's always, there's always a lot of talent coming out of that area. It's it's yeah. it's pretty cool to see. Any um because these are the the two most notable things I know from there. Any random memories of either the Menzingers or the Office or both? <laughs> well, the the first uh the first time I saw any of the Menzingers guys, um they had a ska band called Bob and the Saggots and <laughs> yes, um, I that. they were playing uh <laughs> It well, was I don't like, remember the band, only by story. Yeah. <laughs> there, there was this venue kind of out near, uh, like in, on the outskirts of Scranton, um, like closer to near where Brianna grew up, actually. There was this venue that was like the basement of a church or a library or something like that. It was called The Mighty John. And I saw Bob and the Saggots play. And there was also a band called Cosmos, where uh, who Adam, who I later started Takashaw with, was was playing in. So it was like this kind of like legendary early, uh, ska punk show, um, that, 
you know, kind of introduced me to all these people who would be, you know, kind of like the made the major players in the in the Scranton music scene, you know, in later Bob years. and the Saggots at the Mighty John. That's right. You and they write I, that any better. That's good. I was blown away. They were they were very uh they were very tight. They were a very good band. Um how many menzingers were in Bob and the Saggots? It was Tom, uh, I'm sure. Tom, yeah, Tom and Eric and Joe. So oh. it was a it was a four piece. Um Curtis was the other uh singer, guitar player. And and Greg played in a band called the Cretans, and uh I don't think they played that show, but um but anyway, after like Scott was kind of fizzling out in uh, in, in the Scranton area, uh, everyone was like getting into like I don't know against me and Smoker Fire and right. you know that type of punk. Uh, but also like you know the Menzingers were they were also like you know one of the first recordings of them I heard was the that Clash cover and you know so it was like more refined or something uh than like the the sort of punk rock that we were listening to yeah Um, yeah. so i just i just remember being you know pretty pretty blown away by how good of a band they were just just right off just right off the bat let's let us not forget how many ska parts are on the first menzingers record oh yeah it's all over they didn't totally deny it you know (laughs) it took it took years for them to (laughs) to stop being ska i would i would like to see them like bring it back like a little you know, you know, Scott is kind of having it's kind of having a moment right now. It is. Like, so it, now would be the time to do it. Yeah, like they got the roots, they got the receipts, so it's not like mm-hmm. it comes out of nowhere. Exactly. I, think I got to pitch this to these guys. They need to get up with Cat Bite or do something fun. You know, there's, there's oh, some that, good. You know, you want to get on Jeff Rosenstock's good side. You know, yeah. Right. Oh awesome. yeah. Like that's the way to do it. Um, what it, about the office? Do you remember it being around, or you know, yeah, things um, from it? And so, uh, a, a good friend of mine who has since passed away uh, was a one of the owners of the bar, the Bog, that oh, is no in, you know, featured in a bunch of episodes. Yeah, yeah, and um, that sort of became like this cool spot where, like, when cast members would come into Scranton, um, you know, they would like guest bartend there or hang out there. Like, I met oh, wow. Creed in the bar there. <laughs> Um, was Creed bartending? Was, he was not. He was like okay. he was performing. This was uh, this was like a year or two after the show was done. Okay. Um, but when the sh- like during, I know um, like the opening credits, uh, the the real blurry footage is actually of Scranton, and it was John Krasinski like doing research and like driving around Scranton and filming things on like a terrible flip phone or something. Oh, really. Um, so those are actual shots of Scranton. Um, none of like the interiors of places are filmed in Scranton, but, um, a lot of the references are pretty true to the area. Um, so it's fun to see that stuff. I I wish they filmed more stuff there. Like it probably would have been, you know, cheap enough for them to to do it. (laughs) But, um, but you know, it's cool. Uh, there was like a big parade for the last episode, um, and a bunch of the cast members were, you know, all in in Scranton and everything. Um, and what was that? What was Creed's vibe? Was he cool? Creed, he was very cool. The bar was very loud, and I think, uh, you know, it wasn't like 
you know, ha- have a conversation right. type volume. So like he was, he was very kind. Um, and you know, it, we had a pretty brief exchange and, and, you know, took a picture or whatever, but, uh, but yeah, he, he was really cool. Like kind of everybody like who visited from, you know, that were cast members, like were very, you know, very kind and understanding that like, you know, this is like a, a special little corner of the, of the world here in Scranton. And, uh, they were like, just very, I don't know, seemingly curious and respectful of this like little weird s- small town micro culture. Um, was there any opposition? Like, you know, like in the X-Men, there was like, you know, some of the mutants who were just like, oh, Magneto was right. <laughs> like, like, was there any, like, like an opposition party, like a punk band who was just like, fuck the office, like, you know. I don't know. Corporate uh, I, bullshit I, or something I know like I, that. I didn't, I didn't watch it at first. Um, uh, but, there, you know, it, eventually I did and I was like, all right, yeah, I get it. Like, this show is hilarious. Um, oh, I did think of a, a little cool connection here, but um, there was... Uh, there's a little newspaper clipping on Creed's desk in the early seasons. Like it's like up on the wall next to him and it's a actual newspaper clipping from the Scranton times. And uh, I think two, maybe three of my cousins are in the picture. Oh, wow. um, it's like a cross country team doing a human pyramid. And uh, it was, <laughs> it was a running joke in our family and it was hanging up on my cousin's refrigerator because my cousin gave a fake name, which was Jenny Spiegel. Um, so it was, so it was already this like funny joke within my family because like Ah. my cousin, my cousin gave a fake name in this, in the newspaper. And then somebody made the connection and saw it and zoomed in and was like, that is actually the same photo. That is uh, yeah on the wall, just randomly, uh, you know, decorating Creed's desk or whatever. So, so you really, yeah, that's a pretty, that's a pretty awesome direct connection. Actually. <laughs> yeah. I bet like, it seems, you know, like the biggest thing that came from like where I'm from is the Sopranos, which you often mm-hmm. have to like sort of apologize for a little, you know, because it's <laughs> essentially about murder and terrible people. You know, the office is a much easier one to swallow. <laughs> uh, I, like, I feel like Kevin, like, could come back and like run for mayor of Scranton and win. Like it seems like oh yeah, it's like overwhelmingly positive, you know. Which is yeah, which is nice. I think, and it's it's weird because like most places would have like over, like overcapitalized on it and like have stuff everywhere right. or whatever. But it's not. It's still like you'd be surprised. There's only like a few kind of like places that you know s- sell office merch and like right. you know there's there's a few things like there's like a big. Is there an uh, office tour? I guess there is, yeah. Um, but again, like a most, like a lot of the stuff, like it's it's probably mostly just showing some of the like the restaurants or the things that they, uh, you know, uh, have mentioned in episodes, like Alfredo's Pizza or Cooper's right, Restaurant right. or you know things like that. So, um, and th- there's like the the pen paper building that they show in the opening credits. Sure, and act- I'm sure actual people probably work there and are like, "Can you stop looking at my building?" <laughs> yeah uh that stuff actually, gets creepy it gets creepy i went to the breaking bad house in albuquerque and oh yeah they, and you know i'm standing out there and i'm like wait someone lives here this did, is weird did you, did you get yelled at by the the woman that lived there i, I don't know if you still live there but i didn't but i think um i think that like 
I kind of put it together pretty fast where I was like, all right, let's get a picture and leave because I'm, I'm uncomfortable. You know, I'm like yeah. just standing in front of somebody's house, which I don't like, you know. So Brianna I didn't make I went, a thing out of it, which is maybe why I didn't get yelled at. Yeah. Yeah. Brianna and I went there and, t- and did basically the same thing. And then, you know, later on we would hear from other people that were like, no, like we, we got screamed at for, you know, Go, like going near the house or whatever. Yeah. I guess there was like people were like throwing pizzas on you the know, on the yeah, roof and stuff like that. Say, so you know someone threw a fucking pizza on the roof. It de- well, yeah, definitely. And I think like, but but that's the other thing is like, if you know like that your house is an iconic piece of like, how could you? I I don't know. Like, how could you not expect that that's going to happen? Like, you know. Uh, yeah. for, for a show that popular and you live in the house that is like you see in basically every episode and you know you should probably be smart and just like start selling like overpriced drinks and like knock off yeah. merch in front of it and just or, yeah make it a airbnb like a luxury airbnb or something yeah, that's like true. that that's true it's know. like why would you fight that fight you know it's going to keep happening yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I went. I don't know what the Soprano. I know that's some random house up in North Jersey. I don't know, mm. but I don't know if actual mobsters live there, and you don't want to, <laughs> you know. Yeah, who's grabbing the newspaper every morning? <laughs> yeah, some 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 dude in a robe who's just like, it's not. He's he's dead. It's not. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> um, this has been fun, but I've already had you on for an hour fifteen. I didn't realize. Um. Time flies, man. So I was, I was wondering just, uh, you know, what's, I know you got a couple of shows, um, and, and some, do you have some touring coming up or what's going on with Tiger's Jaw in the next like six months or so? Um, yeah, just kind of a handful of shows. Um, we're going to hopefully start writing. Um, we are working on, uh, one tour that is, international that uh is is still in the works kind of being put together right now um and then later in the year we're doing the uh when we were young festival which should be oh yeah pretty fun um but yeah no 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 like extensive tours booked as of right now um you know we kind of anticipated it being a lighter year of uh less less time on the road and more time like working on new music and stuff. So sure. we're going to be getting into that, but uh, a, a couple shows next month in uh, New Jersey. And, yeah. I saw the uh, crossroads. I'll see you at oh, the yeah. crossroads. Great spot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I'll come out. I like their white pizza, delicious white pizza there. Um, yeah. Are there any uh, current uh, books, TV shows, movies, podcasts, things you're really into at the moment that you would recommend to the people? Well, I'm I'm late to most things all the time, but we recently watched Everything Everywhere all at once, and oh. just oh man, what a masterpiece! What really a loved film. that. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Um, that was really cool. Um, books. I mean, I could tell you about the stack of books that I've been telling myself I'm going to read uh, and have not made any <laughs> actual attempt at. What's the uh, top what, of the stack? What's coming first? Um, the um. See, well, the, the book of uh, Dave Grohl stories. Um, oh yeah, I forget what that one's called, but um, that was that's probably on the top of the stack. That'll be fun. Um, but uh, my my friend Jimmy's 
dad was a uh, baseball scout and he wrote a book um, about being, he was, he was like the scout who discovered Randy Johnson. No shit. Um, yeah. Pretty insane. And like, and Jim Abbott and like Whoa. some, some really incredible, like yeah, yeah. iconic players. Um, and he wrote a book of memoirs uh, recently that was published. So um, I, I actually did start that one, but I, I have to finish it. That sounds um, really interesting. Yeah, and, yeah. It's, it's love to cool. see where you found fucking Randy Johnson from. Where did that I guy know. fucking unearth from? <laughs> and that was like the early days, like before their cell phones. Yeah, you know, yeah. Taking videos, and you're basically just like you know scribbling notes about you know someone that you're watching play. Yeah, there's probably just a mythology of like this six eight human who was throwing a hundred miles per hour, but no one actually ever saw it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It must have been an exciting time. Uh, Major League Baseball's best bird murderer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I mean, t- uh, TV, uh, me and my wife are watching The the Last of Us. That's really good so far. Um, the, first five, the first 10 minutes bummed me out so much I didn't want to go on. Yeah. It's like, it, really? I mean, really? It's, it was tough. It was, it was that, that was tough. I was um, like, I turned on Netflix to be entertained tonight, <laughs> not this shit. I was mad when I saw it. Like, get the fuck out of here. Uh, <laughs> kind of made me mad. <laughs> no, I get that. I get that. It was definitely a huge bummer, but uh, I wasn't familiar with the video game either. But no, um, no, me neither. But yeah, that's, cool, that's what we've been, we've been into lately. Um, awesome. Yeah. Well, it's good to chat with you. Finally, I was trying yeah. to set up something in person, but you know, this day and age, it's much easier. For um, sure. But I, uh, yeah, I hope to see you at the the crossroads, or maybe we can get a meal in Philly one of these days. That would be lovely. I, I, I would love that for sure. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. All right. Welcome okay. back, Benny. Thanks, pal. It's been nice. That was a nice nice chat with Ben. I definitely think that that chat was appropriately... That was an appropriate off-track episode. We went off-track. In a, well, listen. <laughs> this chat GPT stuff, it's interesting, you know? Uh, yeah. And I'm, try, I'm trying to get people like you, essentially, who I know as being fairly curmudgeonly sometimes towards stuff like this, you know, like the why can't why can't we all work together here? Like if we're just like fuck this stuff, that's like shooting UFOs out of the sky, like we've been doing. You know, <laughs> like sometimes we got to allow for something moderately uncomfortable for for progress to come in. You know, oh, people no, are shitty happen- writers. No, don't they, get me they- wrong. Like it's happening, and <laughs> the truth is, is that you know, technology can save you from technology, but it just needs to be. You need to get on top of it. Like the the whole thing of like 
teacher for teachers can be protect. You know, this is not this is not an application that you buy and put on your iPhone. Like these are huge, you know, like server based organizations that own this tech, mm-hmm. and they could basically put a little digital thumbprint on everything that they generate. And then it would be super easy for a teacher to just be like, to, to you know, to, to find that thumbprint, you know, like if a, t- if, a, if a kid passes in a paper, you know, she could shoot it through, she could shoot it past, you know, this, you know, this thumbprint screener and yeah, tell immediately yeah. if it was written by an AI, like it's, it can all happen. That's true. You and know what I just thought of too, that kind of freaked me out? What's that? Is like... Like when I was a kid, right, there is an Encyclopedia Britannica set in my house. And if I had any question about any context of the world, I went straight to the Encyclopedia Britannica. And this was like, hey, it is written, you know, (laughs) like this, this must be it. And then I got older and realized it was like, you know six white people right. <laughs> who made it and I was more than likely not getting the real or whole story of any number of things. Right. You know, with this AI stuff, I guess that gives these companies the same opportunity, right? If you're yeah, becoming the only resource for this information and how people get things and how people conceive things, then you can also alter it to your liking. Um, that's a part of it I didn't think about till now. So if I sounded a little pro chat GPT before, <laughs> I have gave myself a little honest skepticism here on my own. <laughs> no, it's like anything. It's a fucking, it's just, it's a tool. It's just a fucking very powerful and scary tool that needs to yeah. be controlled somewhat. Somewhat. Yeah, I think I think we'll be all right, though. When I think about the real problem, you know, the one thing I try to think of optimistically, Brad, is like I see the problems we have in this world, like like uh, overpopulation, feeding everybody, housing everybody, um, cleaning up this planet so we can actually keep living here for a certain amount of time, which would be nice. I like this place. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes I think these are problems that we can't solve. Oh, you know, and they're so big and so broad in scope and so uh, tied to to each, you know, national policy attached to it, where even if one country gets it together, who the fuck knows what another one's going to do. And this is where I'm like, is this where we need AI and we need an intelligence and a a bandwidth that we obviously don't have to help us solve these problems. Oh yeah, absolutely. This might save us. Yeah. No, don't get me wrong. I'm all pro supercomputers solving, you know, nuclear fission or whatever, but sure. uh, Or fusion. I get them, but you just don't want them right in your kid's paper. Yeah. But (laughs) I wasn't kidding what I said before. I'm like, they're not going to replace us, Benny. Like, Oh no. There's no AI that's going to be able to do these interviews or play drums the way you do. I mean, there's we've already got the drum machine and and the drum machine has been around for 30 years, 40 years and it hasn't replaced anybody. And to me, there's also a very very obvious fix to most of this, right? Which is like say you're giving a reading assignment to a kid. Mm. And you know, normally they would have written an essay or written a paper about it. Why 
why can't you, you know, do the same reading assignment and then, okay, come in, you stand in front of the class right. for 10 minutes. What did, what did it mean? Right. Right. You know, like we still have that opportunity. Like we don't have to be tied to, to this so much that, you know, and then it'll become pretty obvious like, oh, this kid who couldn't get fucking four words out of his mouth certainly didn't write this paper, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I don't know. There's, there's going to be ways. People oh. are smart. We'll adapt. Now, there's a lot of ways that AI could be so helpful. If, I, if, if, we, if, if AI can just figure out my, you know, bills and health care, <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, no shit. Say like, you know, hey, uh, Alexa, call the fucking... Call my health care company and sort out this bill that I'm getting charged. So that I don't yeah, have to or get on even the, phone. the simple yeah, and even medically, like I think of like, you know, would you trust a surgeon who is doing it the first time? Oh, Every yeah. surgeon does it the first time once, right, right. and there's a fucking person under that knife who's <laughs> like who's part of their learning curve. Right, that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> the arbitrary nature in which we do that. Like, wouldn't it be nice? If there were no surgical errors? Yeah. It's not like a recording studio where you record your friend's band the first couple of times. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't like this learning curve here, you know? And all surgeons can't be 50 surgeries in. Like, someone's got to be first, you know? And Make like, if a, deal, a robot, you get if a the robot was leading the surgery, you know, okay. Um, like, pro, this guy I'm, knows what he's doing, you know? I'm, you know I'm pro-robo car, cars, man. <laughs> yeah. Robo-drivers, so, bring it out. I don't know. I think I like how we're pandering to Skynet right now just, just for when the robots take over. Yes, don't forget us. They'll say, you are on the protected rolls going off track. Come with us. Um, all right. Well, sorry we didn't talk about Tiger's Jaw more in these intros and outros. Great uh, band. Know. Go see him in Long Island, New Jersey, coming up. And I hope uh, hope Ben gets a stroke of... Uh, Stroke of brilliance soon, and we we start getting some new music. Be oh yeah, I think there will be definitely be new. Oh, music for soon. sure, they're going to be around a long time. And you know, I know we brought up Scranton in kind of a comical way, um, because of the office and stuff like that. But you know, it's funny, like when you hear this relationship with like Ben and Bree and how they've been going for so long. They each take, you know, very specific roles in the band that are super important, but they also see eye to eye on most things. You know, it's kind of like the Menzingers too. And this is why I just, I bring up Scranton as the Canada of America. Yeah, I, love, I love that. That's a good They're analogy. It's very, you know, something's going on there. The people know how to work together and not be competitive with each other and stuff. I like it. Okay. Maybe we should. Try our hats at Scranton Living. You think you could live out there? Go check out Scranton. We'll go out there and live live there for a summer and see what happens. I wouldn't mind eating at Alfredo's. Hey, man. Give it a shot. Could be. So could do you be. got uh, socials? Tiger's Jaw is Tiger's Jaw every, everywhere you find your socials. Wow. Good for them. Um, ben has got an Instagram account at Benjamin F. Walsh. Good. And um, you know where we are at going off track. And we still um, got our Patreon. I we know still been... have our Patreon and we have our very loyal patrons who have stuck with us, mm -hmm. who, um, who we really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, friends. And we, we, uh, we promise more consistency, particularly in the next three months. And now that Brad figured out 
that chatting at eight o'clock is a bad idea <laughs> and we can chat at nine o'clock. Yeah. We will be there. We'll see you every Thursday on the Discord fireside chat. We'll be there. We'll be there. Including tomorrow yeah. night. So Brad, you got, got anything else to lay on me here? Huh, I don't know. It's been so long, right? I guess, uh, I don't know. Happy Valentine's Day. And <laughs> to you. And to you. Sorry I didn't send you chocolates. Oh, trust me. There's, there, I just ate a butt ton of chocolate before we did this. So that's the one thing about, like you, I haven't been drinking. So I'm making up for those calories with my chocolate intake. Well, I got fucking organic blueberries next to me. Boo, being sting sucks. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, nice to talk to you, Brad. Same here, Benny, as always. Okay. Okay.